Yeah, exactly. I will make a request of Matt next time we go out for coffee that we can have our own separate coffees. Because sharing coffee with you, at a, it's just awkward for everyone in the place, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Uh, I am excited. I, I think the best thing for me to do will be to have us get straight into the Word, because following that, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, and uh, hopefully that'll help you connect a little bit with me. But let's look in Galatians 2. Uh, I love the book of Galatians. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to share with you today a really a central passage. You could say uh, verse 20 is the whole uh, idea of Galatians in one verse, and it's definitely the gospel there. And uh, it'll be something that we'll return to. Let's look in Galatians chapter 2 starting in verse 15 through verse 21. Paul writing says this, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there is far more here in these words than I have the capability to convey, but your spirit works uh, between words, through words, and beyond our words. So God, I pray that your spirit would be active here today, and that through the proclamation of the freedom and justification that we have through Christ and Christ alone, you would speak to our hearts and free us up. God, help us to see just how good it is we really have it in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to begin at the end with verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. Uh, And I want to confess and say, I wish that were true of me. I nullify the grace of God. Uh, And I've done that historically. So before we get into this, I want you to know two things. Number one, uh, thanks, Matt, because this is practice for 2018 when I preach through the book of Galatians. So you guys are getting round one. If I, if I make mistakes, I will be able to find them and fix this. So thank you for letting me work on this with you. Uh, number two, this 
this message that I'm going to preach today as if it were something you needed to hear, I want you to know that at the end of the day, it's something I need to hear again and again and again. So this is more uh, thanks for showing up for my personal therapy where I say as if it were to you what I myself need to be reminded of and hear, okay? So this is more for me than it is for you, but maybe you can get some benefit in it. Uh, I want to show you a picture in just a second of uh, something that could be a picture of my life. Uh, thanks to the internets, we have cool pictures like this. So let's see if you guys can get in on that, on the picture here. I don't know if you've seen this picture before. Uh, it's meant to be sort of humorous. Those are North Korean generals and officials. And I don't know if you can see how well decorated they are. But the interesting thing about this picture is they've never been in a war. Okay? So it's just funny if you think about it that these men, I love the guy second to the, on the left side, second, second guy. He's kind of got a swag going, and I love that. That's me. Okay? That's me. Um, this this well-decoratedness that uh, we look at this and it's almost a caricature moment to look at and kind of be like, well, isn't that funny? Uh, at the end of the day, I, th- I think this is definitely what I uh, sort of like my self-image to some degree would be, I would want you to see me as a well-decorated person. Uh, that I have many accomplishments and badges to uh, show off about what I've been able to do. And really, I would imagine in, in sort of a military setting that it, you know, the way you earn those awards, first of all, you earn them. Second of all, uh, they're through something you accomplished or something that can be credited to you because you did that. Congratulations, you made it through whatever school. You get a medal. Congratulations, you, you achieved some high-ranking experience that, that we hold in esteem. Every, by the way, I, I think more than likely there are actually not that many medals on these people. The funny thing is they're just so big uh, because, like, I've seen other Every other military experience has, you know, decorative awards. I was in ROTC, and I got one. You know, you get one for participation, so you're good. You got at least one, all right? And then if you make an A in a, a class, you can, they'll give you one. And then if you do some of the things they ask you to do, and before you know it, you've got a good number, and you feel good about yourself. And there's uh, these awards that are visible. And what, for me, this experience of accomplishments determining my acceptance and worth and value is something that I have struggled with since the beginning of my days. And I will take you back to the beginning of my days to let you know that I was born into the church. My father is still a pastor, and he was a pastor my entire life. And uh, I was there every time the doors were open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, like every day. And it was, I, there was not much in me that was ambitious for that. I did not necessarily want to go. I just had to go. So I feel for my kids who have to go to church. I feel for Matt's kids who have to go to church. There's no getting around it. And in that environment, some, I mean, I heard the gospel proclaimed. I, I heard that, that I was a sinner. And that wasn't hard for me to sort of like 
be on board with. If I'm falling short, not keeping up, sure, that happens. That's easy. And then when I hear of the free offer of Christ, who could say no to that? For me, it was sort of a a no-brainer logic. Do you want to go to hell? Well, that doesn't sound good at all. No. Uh, Would you like to get out of hell for free? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Jesus died for you. Whatever it takes, man, I'm in, okay? I, I, I accepted Christ into the church or in, inside the church. And, and, you know, like I didn't have the option of not being inside the church. That was just thrust upon me. But no sooner did I receive Christ did I immediately switch over to a accomplishments determine my worth and value and acceptance. Just, it was a switch in my head that I still to this day have trouble shutting off. And I I think that's what I would call dysfunctional justification, okay? That's why I've given it that title. Because for me, my justification comes through what I am able to accomplish. Like, Like an award uh, on a Korean general's shirt. I, I, I feel that if I do not have a, a well-balanced tapestry of accomplishments that I have determined are the accomplishments that matter, right? I mean, that's sort of ironic. Like, I have not yet uh, determined that running a marathon is significant for me. It's just not, I'm not worried about that one. All right? It's not a big deal, but I know some people are. Okay? I know some people go there. I've been invited to run a marathon, which I felt like was sort of a badge. It was like the half of the badge. You got invited. Now the other half is if you actually pull it, run it, and then if you win it, all in all, okay, you get it. Uh, so what I want to bring to you and, and sort of like help you understand, and it's really ironic to me that here we are in this place and here we are doing this thing that we do as the church. And all the while, the, the gospel is proclaiming that our justification does not come through how we behave. It comes through Christ who behaved for us. We, that is the core truth It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ gave himself up for me. My justification is found in him. And yet we we cultivate across the country and the globe a culture of religion whereby one of the sneaky but consistent traits of our gatherings is this expectation that we live a certain way and behave a certain way. Christianity and religion are so close to one another in the practice of our culture. And it's, it's really interesting because re- religion, the, the mantra of all religions is, if you do right, you might be accepted. And while we would be able to check the box of a good Christian declaration of where our justification comes from. I think if I give you a test and it was like, how do you know that you're good with God? Is it A, because you do good things, or B, because Christ did good things? My hope is that we would say, hmm, well, it's, it's Jesus. That we'd be able to answer that question Logically, but functionally, I fear that we do not answer that question well. Because we still believe, I think, I know, I still believe that it's my, it's my ability to do 
that will determine my worth and value and acceptance. Verse 15, and we're going to spend some time in the scripture, so I hope, I hope this is helpful. I hope scripture enlightens us. In verse 15, Paul's starting to, and this gives you a window into who he's communicating to. It's, he's speaking to Jews who have become Christians. He's trying to encourage them. He says, we ourselves are Jews, but I would like for you to read or think. He, he means also Christians in that moment. So he could be speaking to us. We are Christians, right? We're not Gentile sinners, those outside of an awareness of where our justification comes from. We're, we're the people who know where our justification comes from, and we know it comes from Christ. Yet, he continues, he gives us sort of the, the thing that I need us to think through and to work through. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So, what justifies us? Christ. His work, he justifies us. What does not justify us? Our works, what we accomplish, how we behave. Uh, Our value and worth and acceptance before God is not determined by how we behave. God's love for you is not tied to whether you do or do not do certain things. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Scripture sometimes does this. It says the same thing three different ways, but it's the same thing, right? I mean, that's exactly what happens here. Do, do our good works justify us before God? No, they do not. Christ's good works justifies us before him. There is nothing that we could do or fail to do if we are putting our faith in Jesus Christ to alter or change God's opinion of us, his favor of us, his acceptance of us. Such a declaration, if, if, if we are thinking, I know it's hard to think. We're sitting there, it's, we're wondering about lunch. It's hard, okay? If we are thinking about the declaration that there's nothing that could jeopardize my relationship with God and my status before God, then it must bring up a question of caution and concern. And it is a question that always shows up for those who are really hearing the gospel. In fact, I want to I give you this because it's just interesting to kind of think about. If the gospel has not landed on you fully, and what I mean by that is the significance and sufficiency of the work of Christ. If the significance and sufficiency of the work of Christ has not landed on you sufficiently, you will never question whether Jesus undermines God's moral standard. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, wait a minute, Is the work of Jesus undermining God's moral standards? Because it seems like what is being declared is that it doesn't matter what I do. And and I will affirm that as I continue to affirm it and continue to explain it. 
the gospel declares that it does not matter what you do or fail to do. You are justified in Christ forever. I'll put it this way, and we're getting closer to something you may be familiar with. This is the gospel. You can go on sinning because grace will increase. And I'll, I'll even say it, no matter where you are or what you believe, and even if you're very contentious with me in this moment, I'll say this. Uh, you, you will go on sinning, and grace will increase. Okay? You will. You will go on sinning, and grace will increase. Now, if, if the gospel has never been declared or understood or received, then that question of like, what? Hold on, time out. What's going on here? Why are you saying that I can get away with anything and everything? Because that's what I'm saying. I, actually, I'm already saying this. You already are getting away with anything and everything. I mean, that's already happening. You're getting away with everything. Because God's acceptance of you does not depend on what you do or don't do. It depends on what Christ has done for you. Christ's performance triumphs over your pathetic performance, over my pathetic performance. Because even me, brought up in the church, and I, I am not the prodigal son. I am the son that stayed steadfast following, keeping the rules. Okay, that, that's my that's my experience, okay? I've, I've never really gone crazy, right? But I know, I know this is true of me. I have not met up to the standard of God's perfect holy law. I have not maintained perfection this week, this weekend. I, I fall short of the glory of God. And praise God for a justification that does not depend on my behavior, I will go on sinning. My, I had a conversation with my dad, uh, and my dad's, I told you, he's a pastor. He's been in ministry for all of my life and another decade of my life. He's been doing this for a long, long time. And guess what? My dad still, sin, still sins against me. And it seems like they're the same sins that he's always been sinning against me. And he's been doing that for a long time, and he knows about the gospel, okay? Does God's grace cover him? Yes. Is he justified? Yep. Will his messed up, dysfunctional life be completely redeemed? It already is. And so is mine. You will go on sinning, grace will increase, but should we go on sinning? That's the question, right? I mean, it, it will happen that you will not live up to God's standards, but should you embrace a lifestyle which, when the gospel is proclaimed, when we declare the sufficiency of grace and the, the justification that comes not through my behavior but through Christ's behavior, it always begs the question, should I go on sinning that grace may increase? Paul had to deal with that multiple times, and we have to deal with that, and what I'm saying is, until the gospel hits you as radically, whoa, bigger than I thought, does this mean I could just keep misbehaving and grace will cover me? And the surprising answer is yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
But let's, let's back up and ask the question, should you do that? Like, is that a good idea? Is that what we do? Paul answers it in this passage, verse 17. If our endeavor to be justified, that's if our, in our pursuit of understanding our justification, which comes in Christ, not keeping laws, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. What, if Jesus were here and he were to look at your messy life, look at my messy life, the one where I continue to fall short, to continue to make the same dumb mistakes and do things that dishonor him and are destructive to my life. If he would sit here and, and evaluate me and see that because he can and he does, his word to me is Christ, my son's death on the cross, it's sufficient for you. You're covered. But he would also say, but that's no good. Go and sin no more. Don't do this anymore. So in understanding the gospel, what we must understand is both things are true. Our justification, our acceptance, our value and worth, it doesn't come through like I felt and feel and still battle through accomplishments, right? And maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe you're not interested because I, I married, you know, sometimes you marry your opposite. I married my opposite. My wife does not care to accomplish anything. And I say that with great affection, all right? We're just, she's just not worried about it. She can start something and finish it later. In my mind, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You gotta finish, all right? She's, she's not tempted at all to pursue her worth through accomplishments. I mean, I'm sure sometimes it probably comes up. She wants it, uh, but not like me. I mean, like this thing for me is constant. So we, we all are going to pursue justification through different means. For me, it's accomplishments, but for you, it might be that your thought is that you, you have to get certain people to like you, Right? I mean, a lot of us find our sense of self-worth and value based on our status among our peers. Do they accept me? Do they approve of me? Do they give me a thumbs up on Facebook? You know, does this, and you know, it, it can be even stranger than this because there are some of us now more youthful. I have children, they're becoming teenagers and I'm observing this, this experience that I remember feeling that unless you wear a certain brand label of clothes, you are insignificant. Isn't that silly? But isn't it common? And don't we all feel that? That I must not be worth, I must not be justified, significant. My, I must be less than unless I've got a particular logo showing. It could be, now that that's younger, it could be maybe on the older spectrum, it could be your financial security. You're, you, you, you don't like people who are financially insecure, they seem to be reckless, they're not planning for the future but I'm significant because look at my portfolio. I'm significant because I have a plan. I have my life together. Or maybe it's books, you know? We were talking about books earlier. Look at my book collection. I have many leather-bound books, okay? I don't, I think I have one, it's this one. This is my only leather-bound book. This, is, uh, this was a gift, and I always like to explain it in this way because this is one of those really nice, I didn't pay. Uh, no, I actually did pay. 
I paid for this one because I lost my other one, but I did. I define this as dead baby calfskin Bible because that's how it's defined in the fine print, and I think that that is hilarious. But it's soft. You can come feel it later, and you'll feel like, man, this guy's justified, you know? You can feel it. Is it your collection of books, or is it because you're well-read? Is it because you're more educated? Is it because the how much money you make? Is it because... You've got a label that resonates and makes you look impressive? Or is it being active and involved in the church? Does that justify you? Because for me, it's always been a temptation to believe that my ability to do more and try harder in this place and for this place makes me more significant than other people. And that's a pathetic thing. Because... It's not by my works that I'm justified. It's by Christ's works that I'm justified. So dysfunctional, well, let's just do this just in case we haven't come to an understanding of our justification. I've got a definition of justification, if we can, we can show that, and I'm going to read it to you, and it's a, I think I can work on sharpening this next time that I preach it, but this is justification. It's the good news declaring acquittal of guilt before the law, In other words, I'm forgiven. And imputation of righteousness before God's judgment seat made possible through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. In other words, all my messy stuff is forgiven and all of the expectation for me being the right kind of person is taken care of. I am fully and completely justified, not by works of the law, but by Christ's work who fulfilled the law perfectly. His life counts for me. His death was substitutional for me. His resurrection was an invitation for me to live a new life, one not defined by the clothes that I wear, the money in the bank, how many people like me on social media, whether or not I I have read the right kind of books and can showcase them well. None of those things serve to justify me. Christ and Christ alone, Christ in me is my justification. Christ alive in me is my justification. It, it means that I can, I can live a freed life. A life where though there may be and there are, where, there are always are expectations. And there always are behavioral guides. And, I'm, and nowhere are we dismissing the, the value of everything that God's law points to. Paul never drops it and says none of it's relevant, with the exception of saying none of it's relevant for your justification. I mean, not murdering is relevant. Not stealing is relevant. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Doesn't the world work better? And that's all the law is. It's love your neighbor's stuff. If we would behave the way the Bible tells us to behave, it's much more loving to our neighbor. Interestingly enough, God isn't up in heaven marveling at your good works. He does not look and go, oh, did you see that? Get a medal for him, right? Let's put that on him. Man, that was so good. I'm thankful that he's not doing that. What he is doing is saying, have you seen and heard of my son Jesus? Do you know what he did? It's covered. I'm totally pleased with what he did. And it's going to be so pleasing to me that I can count 
all of you knuckleheads who don't seem to figure it out and you're chasing after the wrong thing all the time and I'm just going to blanket cover all of that and invite you in to be part of my family. This is why it is good news because it, because it is freeing to our hearts to hear and find out that we can be set free from all these things that, that tend to chase after us and pull us down and give us anxiety and trigger depression and cause us to be frustrated. All of those things can be let go when we understand that we are completely and fully justified, not in what we do or don't do, but in what Christ has done for us. And I can't hear that message enough because it won't take me 30 minutes from leaving here before I start believing the wrong thing again. And I start saying things like this. I wonder how many people attended East North Church today. Subtext. Because the number of people who attend your church justifies you as a pastor. I mean, there's some space here, Matt. This gap, it speaks to your lack of justification, all right? I mean, you, you don't know that, but it does. I mean, it, it does from a pastor's point of view, which it, we know that's not right because we're Christians and we teach this stuff. We know our justification is, is in Christ. But I tell you, we, we also struggle believing that our justification is the number of people in the room, Number of baptisms, how many people are going to be on mission, whether or not we have a church planner. I, you know, Matt talked about me sending out a church planner. That's a badge, man. All right? I wear that sucker. I'm like, yeah, I sent out a church planner. I can't, you know, isn't that pathetic? That's what I do. That's what I do. I'm telling you, this message is for me. All right? I, I struggle with my justification. I have a dysfunctional justification. Uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I know the answer. I know the answer is in Christ alone. I know, verse 20, that I need to live believing and resting in that my life has been crucified with Christ. The life of pursuing forms of self-justification has been crucified with Christ. That it's, it's no longer... I who have to even try to live because Christ is alive in me. Christ is forming himself in me. I'm pretty sure that inevitably that leads to me making more Christ-like decisions But in our ambition to be seen as justified, we put our ability to make Christ-like decisions ahead of Christ being formed in us. Because we would like to be seen as more justified than other people, more sanctified than other people, right? We want to be seen as like, I've got my life together. And, And I am finding, I am finding that that my ability to own my faults, confess my sins, and admit my failures depends on the source and security of my justification. If, I, if I'm trying to hide how messed up I am, it's because I'd like you to think of me as pretty just, you know, pretty, pretty significant. I do things right. It, when I'm free knowing that I'm already justified, I can raise my hand and be like, whoop, drop the ball, failed again. Just like always, same stuff. 
I got frustrated, I got angry, I got selfish. It's only as I'm anchored to the rock who is Christ that I can start admitting fault and not feeling defeated by it. So I, I want to be done claiming that I can do good and be good. I, I want to, there's only one who is good, right? I mean, even Jesus said that. I don't have to defend myself and hide my sins. I can own them better as I get saturated by my justification in Christ. I know he's cleared my record. I don't have to justify myself by pursuing good works. I can live by faith in Christ whose record of good works continuously counts for me. And I, here's also what I start realizing. The more, the more that reality of my justification begins to sink in and I'm able to confess sin, the more normal I feel and the more free I feel. I get, more, I get comfortable in my own messy skin. It's who I am. I, I messed up. God loves me like that. If he wants to change me, he will. Should we, should I go on sinning that grace may increase? No. Uh, is Christ a servant of sin? No. Love f- by God. But the experience of knowing I'm loved by God, which is what justification announces for me. Look how much God loves me. Loved by God generates love for God and love for neighbor. So it's inevitable as I, as I continue to feed and learn to feed myself justification through Christ alone rather than by my performance, what I'm doing is stoking the fire and, and fueling my ability to know that God loves me. And I will love God as I realize how much he loves me. And I will begin to live less selfishly knowing that God loves me, which will empower me to live for the benefit of others. So before you go chasing after love others, and before you go after chasing love God, I want you to chase the reality of God's love for you. Chase his gift of justification, and Galatians is a good book to do it. Because this good news, this gospel, is the thing that ultimately stimulates something that looks like good works. Not that God, God doesn't need your good works, Martin Luther said, but your neighbor does. You think about that. God doesn't need you to read your Bible and behave yourself. He doesn't need that. He's got Christ. He did it perfectly. He was the Word, okay? He didn't even have to read. Just He, he himself is the Word. He, he is the Word. You don't have to do those things for God's sake, for God's approval. You already have it. You're already justified. Who needs you to live a certain way? Your neighbor. Because the world's messed up, right? messed up because I'm in it and I keep messing it up but Christ keeps covering it and the more I the more I chase after my justification found in Christ the more I find out God loves me the more I start loving God and the more without even really trying do I start to live with a love for my neighbor it's no longer an accomplishment and a badge that I can pursue it's just something that I do and oftentimes I know this uh the times that I realize I am doing 
something that is truly honorable to God, I am unconscious that that's what's going on. I don't even, it's a, uh, Tim Keller would, have, would call it a blessed self-forgetfulness, right? I don't know if you've read that little book or heard that talk, but I, I didn't even realize I was being generous. I was just sort of normally responding to something. I didn't count it as a badge to wear, to show off. If your gauge for spiritual health is doing good works, then that will be championed, applauded, and approved, and will ultimately become an idol. But if your gauge for spiritual health is growing in the gospel, in this case, topically, justification, then Jesus will be championed. He'll be applauded. He'll be approved. And inevitably, good works will follow. So let's pray for that to be a reality. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would free us up, that there could be such an amazement at what you have done for us through Christ that, that we would laugh at ourselves, that we would laugh at one another, and that we would feel deep, affectionate love from you. And that that love would, would free us up with our addiction for self-justification, whatever that looks like for us. That we would realize that we do not have to perform or earn anything. That our account is full and overflowing because of Christ. God, that's good news that I need to get really comfortable with. And I pray that you'd make it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and come up. Joe, if you want to.